week 29 at the Canicook Institute was actually two weeks ago. And I just have never gotten around to putting into words what week 29 was about. And so now I'm home in Indianapolis, Indiana, driving on 465, but using Bluetooth so no one slip out. But really when I think about the Institute, week 29 was a lot of trying to put into words and to wrap up really what the year had meant, what God had done in our hearts, how he had transformed us and what he had taught us. And then we talked a ton about how to then use that and use what we've learned to create a sustainable launch into the real world, to continue to apply those truths the next month, the next year, and the rest of our lives. And so when I think about two key lessons that I learned in the last part of the Institute that I want to be on the forefront of my mind as I am in the real world and continue to go out into the real world, that can be summed up in first, remember, and second, just do it. And so remember is an idea that we kind of had slammed into our brains again and again. And it really comes out of the passage of Joshua, uh, Joshua 4, Judges 4. This is embarrassing. I'm almost positive it's Joshua 4. And if it's not, it's Judges 4. But, no, it's for sure Joshua 4. And so Joshua is leading the Israelite people. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. And he's leading them into the promised land that God had promised the nation of Israel. And so what God does, just like 40 years earlier, when he parted the Red Sea, he balls up the waters of the Jordan River and the Israelites cross on dry ground. And when they cross, God commands them to build it, or God, God commands Joshua to build an altar of remembrance. And so when their grandchildren and great-grandchildren look upon this altar and ask their fathers, the Israelites who are inhabiting the land, what this altar is for, the Israelites would recount the faithfulness of God who did what he said he was going to do in delivering the Israelites into the promised land. And so with that, it is such a reminder to us that we are a forgetful people. And so when I sit down, I can see the hand of God in my life again and again in the review mirror. And I can see the hand of God in the Bible again and again and and so it's so important for me to remember that because I won't always feel like God is faithful and I won't always feel like God is good but I can know and scripture promises me in 1st John 5 and in Ephesians 4 that we can know truth and we don't just have to feel it it doesn't have to be something that is flippant and so it has become one of my most favorite practices that instead of building an altar, I don't have stones, but what I do have is a mason jar and sticky notes. And when I see God's faithfulness come into my life via answered prayers, I write it down on a sticky note and put it in a mason jar. And when I see God's faithfulness in the Bible, when I'm reading it every single day, I write it down and put it in a mason jar. So when I don't feel like God is faithful, when I don't feel like God is good, or I'm tempted to worry about the future, that instead I can trust God and look at his character and read these, at this point, maybe a hundred sticky notes of God's faithfulness time and time again and in his word and in my life so I can then look in the character of God in the past and let that give me peace in the present and give me a hopeful expectation for the future. So first, remember. And second, I think Nike said it best when they said, just do it. I've just been hit with a fact time and time again that I heard the word of God over and over growing up 
but I never really did what it said because my heart was never fully surrendered. And so in James 1 and 2, James urges Christians to not just hear the word, but to do what it says, to put it into practice. Ephesians 4, 1 and, and Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6 tell the same thing, that we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. That when I truly understand what the gospel is, that I was deserving of death, Jesus came and took my place, died and rose again, that I can't help but live differently. And so Jesus, Jesus didn't echo this truth. This was Jesus' truth, that we wouldn't just... That, or that you would know what my life is like inwardly based off how I live outwardly. That you would know a tree by its fruits, to use Jesus' words. And so if I love Jesus, you'll be able to tell with my life. I don't want to even have to tell you. You can look at my life and that would prove it. And so I get to commit my life to doing what the Word of God says. So discipleship and accountability and friendship and community and evangelism all look different. Because of this inward transformation that has happened, that I can't help but now engage with my life in this way. And I'm just reminded of Jesus' warning as well to the Pharisees, that I wouldn't be a whitewashed tomb, like he calls them, that someone that looks really good on the outside, but is actually dead on the inside. But my motives in doing and practicing what the Bible says and what God commands me to do, would it be to earn his favor or to impress anyone? But instead, they'd be an outpouring, recognizing that I've been given something and I can't help but want to pay it back. And so my motive isn't to please God or to earn anything, but instead it's a pure outpouring and a recognition of what God has done in my life so I get to respond accordingly. And I've gotten so excited, I've talked for six minutes. And so we're going to cut it off here, but just want to say thanks so much for tuning in to five days of mini seminary in five minutes. It's been so helpful for me to put into word words what God has been teaching me, and I hope it's been helpful for you too. I'd still love to call and talk about it. Call me at 317-442-1171. I don't know how to end this thing, so have a good day. Good night, Indianapolis. Good night, world.